Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision, the FinTech Fuse. This is Theo, your host for the episode, along with my partner in crime, Stephanie Foster. Joining us on the show today is Kristen Castell, Managing Director of FinTech Cafe, amongst many, many other things that she is working on. Uh, welcome to the show, Kristen. I swear you have power to clone yourself, literally. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> it's great to be here, Theo and Stephanie. Um, so excited to speak with you, especially, you know, with what you've written about and what we talked about last time in terms of technology and age tech and the metaverse and all of it. I know we're talking mostly about fintech and inclusion and other things today, but I'm so excited to be here and, uh, and continue our conversation. Absolutely. So first off, I do have this question I, I really want to ask you because for, for someone with your background, super extensive background, JPM, BlackRock, you've done a lot in the wealth space, big firms, and then fintech startup, and then a nonprofit, all very interesting aspects, all have to do with money, but different parts of money and different roles that it plays in the society with very, very, very different demographics in the walks of life. Curious to hear, what are some of your most memorable experience, if you will, and, and how do you get from there to here? Yes, yeah, I've, I've had an incredible journey in the financial services as a fintech entrepreneur and now creating a nonprofit organization and accelerator program for financial innovation to improve the financial wellness of people. And the best part for me is now all the organizations I'm part of or I'm advising are all aligned with my why. Uh, and what I believe in. So really having a social impact um, really aligned with financial inclusion and also building communities for the future. As you mentioned, yeah, I spent the first part of my career at some of the largest financial institutions. So I was at JP Morgan twice. I was at BlackRock for over 10 years. Um, you know, back then, years ago, when I got out of school as a finance major, there weren't all the options that we have today in terms of you know, the accessibility of technology and building companies. So it's like, oh, just get a good job at a bank. And I did that, uh, you know, in order to build my career. And, you know, I was very fortunate. Uh, what I did mostly at these financial institutions was investment product development. And why I love that is I really got to work with all of the different parts of the bank and the different type people and specialties. So, uh, you know, working on the sales and marketing side, understanding what are we creating for our customers? What do they need? Let's say they need to save money for retirement um, and, and understanding that from that side, bringing that together with what we can manufacture. So working with, in this case, the portfolio managers, the investment managers, bringing that together to design a product and then working with technology, operations, legal compliance to design and build that product and then really put that out in market and position that. And so really getting to work on that end to end with all of those different parts of the bank and all those different people was something I loved. And so I realized I really loved creating products. And yeah, with those financial institutions, those are products for, for mainly people that, that have wealth or, you know, are, are trying to, you know, save their money or looking for investment products and funds. I learned about, while I was in, in banking, I learned about something called, you know, I'll call impact investing. I mean, there's large umbrella on that, but, but really the concept of, how do we invest in companies that are doing better by people and also have more efficient operations that are doing better for the world and, you know, love the concept. And there's really an investment thesis there about understanding companies function and creating long-term value 
not just for profits, although those are important, but also what they're doing for, for people in society and how they're really interacting with the world and what that means for their business and their operations. And so back then, 10 years ago, that was, uh, you know, I got a lot of pushback for that. So there were some people that believed in it, but many, especially in large finance, thought it was more like a charity or why would we do this or no one's going to care, et cetera. So it was a little bit of a side project for me for a while until I, I ended up leaving the large corporations and banking around the time of the pandemic to be a, a fintech entrepreneur and be part, part of helping to build a fintech company called Seeds, which is a value line investing platform. And what we did was build a technology and an experience for financial advisors to understand their clients better, not just their financial goals, but also what was important in their lives. And so that was an incredible opportunity to really end to end, be out in the world, creating something I really believed in, in that space. And then also learning just all the aspects of creating a company, which is similar to creating a product and the product development I talked about, but, but also on a larger scale and also out in the world. So caught the bug for, you know, entrepreneurship and, you know, loved working with early stage, early stage founders, entrepreneurs, saw what was going on in, you know, the fintech space, the early stage startup space. More recently, I am part of creating a nonprofit org and, you know, our, we have a flagship fintech accelerator program that builds these technologies, helps these founders and entrepreneurs build their fintech products and specifically for financial health and wellness of underserved communities. And so, you know, I've worked separately, I've worked with a, a bunch of organizations and nonprofits and particularly microfinance and others where we really can afford people opportunities to build their financial livelihoods and securities and, you know, working, like I said, working from building products for, for wealthy people to also working on products for where, you know, people every day can maybe contribute microloans to people around the world that can then use that to build their own small income generating businesses as micro entrepreneurs. It's really been incredible. And so what I love is creating the products and that's the most you know meaningful for me, connecting to not just the products, but what are the experiences in people's lives and what makes it meaningful for them? So how is financial products are just tools, right? To, to, for people to use to create value in their lives. How do they create value for their um, families and education and their healthcare and all of it. And thinking about it in that way and then working backwards to what the products are. So that's been incredible just to see, you know, how money flows at large organizations as well as small technology organizations and, and nonprofit businesses. But, you know, the learning has been amazing. And I think, you know, now through technologies, it's more accessible than ever. People can really create their own opportunities. So, you know, entrepreneurs, micro entrepreneurs or even entrepreneurs in these companies that can really change the world for the future. So I'm really excited about that. That's great, Kristen. Thank you for, for sharing more insight into your career journey. And I'm, I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you. I'm realizing that you and I have a lot way more in common than I anticipated because I similarly also did a move into startup during the pandemic as well, like that eye-catching moment. And and found out earlier today that we both have daughters are on the same age and we're both running accelerator programs. So that's really cool. Yeah, um, no, exactly. And it was just so incredible, right? Like being, being an entrepreneur, it just afforded me so much more time with my daughter and to integrate something I love into my life. Um, and, and, you know, you're just bringing my life and my work and like what I'm creating. And it's, it's incredible for our daughters and, and children um, to see us doing that. 
most certainly I agree. Um, and I do have to congratulate you again on, on your new role as managing director at CAFE, the Center for Accelerating Financial Equity based in Delaware. And, you know, as you know, as an immigrant, that topic of financial equity is near and dear to my heart, having lived it as someone who moved to this country, not having the knowledge of how the financial system works and, you know, landing certain roles and learning about 401ks and everything else. So what I would love to hear is if you could share with us more about what is CAFE, what is the mission, um, what are you hoping to accomplish with the accelerator program and all the other programming that are in the pipeline for you? Yeah, and that resonates with me so much. You know, I'm first generation from Croatia. Um, my family came over on the boat years and years ago, but, you know, as any immigrant, you know, coming to this country and, you know, even now it's, it's so hard when they, you know, my family came over here not speaking English and working in factories and other jobs and not, you know, I'm sure they had to learn about, you know, bank accounts and what, what is a system and how do you save money and, you know, it, what's the education and all of that. And so it is important to have support systems and communities and products really to help, help in that journey. Um, but thank you. I'm, you know, very, very excited. Uh, it's, it's really, you know, one of my, my dream opportunity and, and an awesome kind of next step in my journey to be um, managing director for CAFE. CAFE is the Center for Accelerating Financial Equity, and we power fintechs and fintech innovation to advance financial health and wellness for underserved communities. So that includes LMI, which is low to moderate income, as well as other underserved communities, um, people that have been unbanked or underbanked. And, you know, we believe that financial wellness is really tied to people's physical, mental, and overall health. And so by improving people's financial security, you can really significantly improve people's lives. And that, you know, goes into their healthcare and food security and education and housing. And, and so, you know, with CAFE, that, that's our mission, really doing that through building, supporting, empowering financial technologies. And we have a flagship uh, FinTech Accelerator program where twice a year we work with five to 10 early to growth stage financial technology or FinTech uh, companies that are growing. And we really help them with connections, coaching, community, in order to grow their company. So these are companies with a product in market already. They've already built this technology. Those technologies are in some way advancing that mission, you know, really advancing financial wellness for these communities. And we are helping them gain scale. So potentially have organizational partnerships to gain more customers, product pilots, access to funding, you know, business building through coaching, different types of mentors. And it's just really exciting. And so CAFE will, you know, has, uh, will have other services and programs, but that's the one I wanted to highlight. We have our next cohort starting early next year for these companies. And um, CAFE, what's exciting about CAFE, like you said, CAFE is, is born out of a new center for excellence that was built in Newark, Delaware, uh, on the University of Delaware campus. So University of Delaware, top tier research institution, incredible you know, new technologies, students, talents going on there in terms of building AI, cybersecurity, small business, et cetera. And so there's a new FinTech Innovation Hub, which is a physical building location on that campus. And what that does is bring together university resources and people with um, private and public. So different banks, Discover Financial is involved. There's um, the small business development 
organization there. We, we, we got a loan from the Small Business Association, the SBA, to start this. So what are the governmental programs and organizations, private banking, private, and, and then early stage companies? So we'll have an incubator on the ground there. And then CAFE itself is a global national program because our services are hybrid virtual. So we can work with companies not just in Delaware, but really broadly and nationally, and then eventually globally. And so really excited to come in and help build out CAFE as part of the, the FinTech Innovation Hub. And, you know, I'm, I'm in New York City, but, you know, travel a lot. And I think in the, in the new economy, especially after the pandemic, we saw how, you know, especially with these new technologies, we can work from anywhere. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's been main kind of finance hubs and Delaware has been one of them, as we know, all, uh, many of the banks are in Delaware. Um, so it makes sense for the location, but really having this be a, be a really a global program is important to us. I, I love the mission and I love the location actually that you guys chose because it's not one of those that, oh, it's again, yet, you know, something that we know the usual suspects. So it is, it is super cool. I look forward to hearing more about the program as you get closer. So I want to shift focus just a tad bit. You're also advisor for a city of Telosa. That was interesting because originally when we first started the conversation, you were talking about things that you were passionate about, connecting pieces together and and looking at things that will impact people. A future city, something that will impact people in a different way, a new way, perhaps a new way of living and a new way of um, shared equity, if you will. I did spot a word which which was really interesting. I never saw that before. Equitism. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Yes. Can you tell us more about what is equitism and and what exactly is Tolosa? Yeah, so so Tolosa is a really exciting um, project and organization part of. I actually heard about it on a podcast a few years ago, and after I heard about it, I reached out through my network, and I'm like, how do I get involved? Which is which is how I really get involved in most things I'm, I'm passionate about or a part of, right? You just, you, you know, just asking and saying, hey, how can I help? How can I be part of it? So yeah, so when I heard about the future city, Tolosa, what it is is not just a city, but it's a new model of how our existing cities and our new cities um, can really be built uh, in a new way that help that are, that's better for all of us, better for people. Um, and this, it was remarkable because it's really a way to change the world. And the idea here is it's it's really created and co-created with people first. So ha- so it's open, fair, and inclusive for everybody. And the, the word equitism, which Telosa is based on, is a model where uh, the city foundation owns the land. And as the land value rises, that um, that's what pays for the social services, the best education, the best healthcare, and other social services for the people. And so it's it's still a capitalist city and a lot of business and enterprise, but also really focusing on community and people first. And so right now we have, it's it's not a physical city yet. It's a virtual community that, a global community that I'm helping to build. And we're doing a lot of work looking at uh, best practices from different cities now on how actually building community, putting out thought pieces, doing some webinars um, and bringing in people for focus groups, like how from all really from all over, how can we all build um, in different areas? How can we build this together? What would a new education system look like? What would a new healthcare system look like? So it's really exciting. And the idea again is to really build a model based on, you know, the inclusion and the equitism 
and one that that could work for all of us. And many there's many new cities around the world. If, if you look them up, there's you know Saudi Arabia and other places they're building these new cities. And many of them are based on the technology first. Like, oh, cool, like come live here because we're going to have the coolest flying cars and tech and all of it. Peloso will have all that too, of course, in the future. But it's really based on like, okay, let's think about community relations and the people first. And how can we make people's lives better? And then, of course, that's going to be powered with the technology. So, yeah. So, so that's what's exciting about it. That's really cool. Like, I can't imagine having advisor to a city on my resume. Like, you're such a rock star, Kristen. I love that. <laughs> that's not a goal Thank I thought you. I had, but now I feel like. It. <laughs> Thank you. Come get involved in Tolosa. <laughs> Steph, that's your new goal for 2025. You know, 29. Just keep adding it out. I mean. But, but it is it is interesting, though, to think about it, because we know that our system, current system, pick one, healthcare, financial services, education, what have you, need change. There are different ways of going about changing it. There are people that run for public office um, that try to change it from within. And then there are people that say, you know, maybe we can start from scratch and build out what we need to be. And then it, it's... You are the first person, though, that I know that's doing something on the opposite side of it. It's actually really, really cool. It is cool. All right, Steph, you know Thank what? You. It's on my, it's on my, uh, you know, bucket list, too, one of these days. Yes. We <laughs> admire you. Love to have you. I mean, it's, it's incredible what we can do together. And that's the whole point, right? It's not about just one person or one business. It's like coming together in a community to build something um, using kind of new innovation. So, so, so Kristen, in addition to, building financial products, running programs, being a mom, advising a city. You also make time to support causes that you care about. And I know one of them is the Micro Dreams Foundation. You volunteer with them for several years. You also serve on the board, which I think is really cool. Would love to get your insights on, you know, when it comes to the topic of financial inclusion and financial inequality, particularly for women. What, you know, what more should we be doing as, as a collective? Because progress seems to be a bit elusive at times, right? It's like we take two steps forward and take like a step mm -hmm. back. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, such an important topic. And um, yeah, MicroDreams is how I first got involved in financial inclusion. This was, I guess, 13 years ago. Also, you know, I just went to a talk, heard the founder uh, speak about it. And I never heard about microfinance before. Microfinance being giving small loans and business opportunities to these micro entrepreneurs, these women around the world that um, that are that are poor and maybe don't have you know ways to get into the economy, kind of in there where they're living. And this gives them opportunities to build their own businesses. And I love the concept. It's basically like teaching a a man or a woman in this case how to fish, right? So anyway, so when I got involved in MicroDreams and they work with South Pacific Business Development, which works on the ground in a lot of the South Pacific islands. So like Fiji, Tonga, Samoa, et cetera. And have been really building an incredible system and organization for, for decades now that's really worked. You know, it's, uh, it's also a concept that's worked around the world and, and really has helped women and women entrepreneurs. And it's interesting, like the, you know, when you're giving loans to these women, the default rates are so low. Like many of the, most of the women pay it off. Like the data shows 
you know, it's, it's so much better than the credit and, and the actual default rates from like regular credit cards or other types of credit with people that have great credit scores. And these people, you know, are unbanked and don't have any credit scores and, and have shown like through the microfinance system and process to really it's made a difference in, in these communities and economies. So yeah, so that's been incredible to be part of. I'm also part of Share Change, which is a fintech app for that purpose, basically letting all of us on our phones donate, not donate, but make loans to these entrepreneurs uh, around the world. And then also providing my own financial wellness, I can I can save on the app, et cetera. But your your question, Stephanie, is so important because you know you hear now, even in developed societies here, like all over the news, all these organizations and venture capital firms, you know, we really want to invest in women. How do we invest in more women? I mean, the numbers are just, you know, atrocious in terms of the women getting funding and especially for black women or for minorities getting funding for their businesses. I mean, it's like less than 1%, right, of startups that are founded by like an underrepresented founder get, get funding. And so we're all talking about it but I don't see the money, right? I don't see the data changing. And I think the one, the, the first thing I would say is, you know, basically elevating and amplifying and making this an important issue, not just for women, but for men. And so how do we, you know, I really believe in, in something called the shine theory, which I'm sure you've heard of where it's like, you know, lifting women up. So there's, you know, in finance, it's not just the one spot that we're all fighting for, but like, we can all do really great together. And there has been a lot of progress, I think, in the financial industry, although women still aren't paid as much as men and don't, you still, the percentages aren't equal. There has been a lot of progress that I have seen in, in large financial firms and women kind of making strides. And some of the organization, you know, parts of the organization I've been part of, like the women's networks, we've done a lot of programming on things like the Shine Theory and like other professional personal development. But I think it's getting everyone and getting men into there and, and making it important for them. I think it's, it, it's and it's more of an education because a lot of, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people aren't going to do it because it's a charity or it's nice to, to have or more morality, like I'm going to do this because it's moral thing, but they're going to also do it because it makes business sense because diverse people with diverse experiences, different types of entrepreneurs that know different types of markets and can come up with different ideas can add more value, can create better innovations and new innovations in the world. And when we see the actual like fruit of that, when we see like these company, you know, we can invest in these things and these founders and these companies that are actually doing that. And we start seeing more of those numbers. I think then, you know, all of the traditional boys club of investing or others will be like, will be knocking at the door to start investing. Now that's just like a dream, but there's so much more. So I think it needs to be just like back in the day when I was in banking and I told you like the impact investing, like no one cared. And now a lot of the banks are, yeah. are incorporating things like that. It's, it's those large organizations that have the money have to make this a priority and not just like a side thing that like we have a program to invest in this, but it has to be throughout the DNA of who are the investors bringing in diverse portfolio managers, investors, and who are the investments and then giving opportunities to who's creating the new technologies like the FinTech entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs. And so like I said, there's been a start and there's a lot in the news about it, but, um, but yeah, I think it's getting the awareness, but then actually also having all of the, you know, the capital and the people that make decisions really take this on as something important. Yeah. I don't know. I will, I'd love to ask you both the same question too, because we all need to come together on this issue. <laughs> I, I don't think it's lack of data that shows that it works. 
And that that's been my struggle, right? You know, every year we keep seeing reams and reams of data. Have you had that more diversity in X? You would have achieved X more GDP. It would have been, you know, da 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 da. And yet, again and again and again, we come back disappointed. We went through the pandemic. We thought that was going to level the playing field because people are not traveling. You know, we're all together behind the screen. But yet, it proved to be worse because. In times of uncertainty, people go back to the people that they know that they resonate with, that look like them, that went to the same school with them. I don't have a magic answer, um, Steph. I think it depends on which day I am. I can be like, um, I think my husband called me the um, the 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 angry feminist or aggravated feminist um, or some of it. I'm like, you know, I I I just get to the point where you know because. Because it's 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 dumbfounding, isn't it? But you you touched a point. You said, "Who are the investors? Who, who?" And I think that is the problem. Who are the people with the money? Who are the people at the table that can make decisions? Who are the ones that can say, "Yes, this is what we're doing. No, this is not what we're doing." Look at a recent fiasco with a certain AI company, and look at how they ended up with the board. The two women got kicked out. Now they're all male board. If we are to say that the technology, such important emerging technology is our future, the future is not all male. And, and that's the problem, right? It's who, who has the power. Um, sadly, I think it's probably going to take 100 years to get there. That's just my personal, very pessimistic, probably realistic yeah. point of view. <laughs> Well, you made a great point. I mean, if we're, you know, we can talk about the new trends in technology and and women and and all, all types of diversity and all types of people need to be part of building that, right? If that's like, if we agree, that's like the new future. And to your point, we need more women on boards and more people building and more women and others building the technologies. It, it that's that's a simple simple fact, right? You know that that's the gripe I always have with a lot of the generative AI tools nowadays. We say that you know these tools are going to help us do things more efficiently, do things better. But if you look at who created those tools and who they serve, most of them are based on Western languages. I'm sorry, there's like a billion plus people in the global south mm-hmm. that don't use that language in their day to day. So are we inherently by creating these tools and introducing them to a workplace, driving a bigger wedge of inequality amongst our societies. And how do we go about fixing it? I don't know. I don't have the answer. But all I see is like, we need to do better. We need to do different. So I am glad you are doing what you're doing, Kristen. And we need more of you. That's my roundabout review too. And oh. Stephanie. <laughs> Most definitely more more voices at the table. Um, I, I don't know that there's a short-term solution to solving any of this. Like you said, Theo, it's, it's going to take 100 plus years. But I'll tell you what does give me hope, though. The girls? Our daughters give me hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fearless. <laughs> Most definitely. So I, so I can see future generations most certainly leveraging the effort that those before us have already put forth all the effort that between the three of us and our networks are putting in to get you know more voices at the table, more women, more diverse faces in product management, on boards, and entrepreneurship. 
to help solve a lot of this. But it goes back to what you said, Kristen, awareness, education, and taking action, not just speaking it, but actually doing it. Yes. Yeah. And it, it, it's a hard job that we have, right, to make sure that some structural inequalities aren't going to bias our children, right? And it's hard because, you know, you see when you're with my daughter, like she was born, you know, with no biases, with all kind, you know, like anything's possible, right? And I keep that imagination alive for her. And we, we do talk about things like, you know, explaining crypto to her. And actually it like, it resonates and makes more sense for kids. Like when you start explaining it in simple language, but yeah, having, having them. And, and we're also, you know, for me, I'm fortunate to live in a, a location too, where she sees a, it, there's a lot of things going on right in New York where it's open and there's a lot of diversity and other things, but for people around the world or around the country that don't see that, like, yeah, how do we foster this inclusivity in the new generation and get more of everyone at the table and, and everyone wanting that because they see how it benefits the future. Absolutely. We need a mind-melting exercise. Here you go. That's what we need. All right. Before we let you go, I wanted to pick your brain. What are some of the big trends that you are most excited for as we kick off this new year? Um, you can, what you're most excited for, what, what you wish would happen more. <laughs> it's up to you. Oh, so much. We, we talk all day about this. So, so I, so everyone's talking about AI, right? I'm, you know, and I think there's a lot of applications for it in business and our lives. And, you know, I've even started playing with it a little bit. So all of that, sure, that's going to be important. I think it's a little bit overhyped right now, especially with investors. I'm, I'm surprised that no one wants to talk about Web3 anymore. Like, I think there's a lot of applications still for DeFi apps, for blockchain for different aspects of the metaverse, and especially for emerging economies, right? Especially for economies that don't have a stable currency and financial system. So, you know, how do we, you know, there's no path yet into how we go forward with this, but I am still excited about these technologies. And then also in particular, augmented reality. I'm really excited, um, not just about the metaverse, but really about how our lives are mixing, you know, the IRL, the like real life experiences and community and connections with tech-driven experiences and how, you know, I believe that's going to be integrated in all our lives. And so there was just, you know, the new headset that came out, you know, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a many, many future generations of what this technology looks like and how do you integrate in our lives that it's just as easy as now the phone that we all take everywhere. But I'm, ex I'm excited about that. It's also a little bit scary, right? What does that look like in terms of you know, our, our, our mental capacity and time and advertising to us. But, but I do think that's going to totally change our lives. So I am following augmented reality really closely. I think the other thing, and just speaking to some of my background in, in the impact and sustainable investing space, I think we need to rebrand and reimagine what people are calling ESG. I, I would ne I've never been a fan of the, that acronym. And I think it's definitely, you know, it's been like, it's now it's like a bad word. It's been politicized, especially recently. But I think the real concept of what it is in terms of understanding and incorporating the data of how companies are treating people, are treating their stakeholders is, is, you know, in addition to their profits is more important than ever. And that's not going away. I mean, the large financial firms and banks and investors have already incorporated that into decision-making. And so you can call it whatever you want, but it's not, you know, some liberal charity like this is actually the of the future of how we we need to look at companies and investments in the long term and and getting more and more important both from a world perspective i mean with the, all the you know things happening with the climate 
but also, you know, it's going to matter to, to our money and to our, our financial institutions and our investments. So super important, I think, to rebrand that. And then I'll, I'll, I'll end with, you know, back to our topic of financial in, in, inclusion in fintech. I mean, continuing to move to more personalization. So as we get more and more tech in our lives, it's more and more important for people building these products and how we're using these products to really understand how people want to experience them and like how do you really incorporate them in people's lives and make them feel more personal and so you know over the couple last couple decades there was you know in finance it was like the human advisors it was all just like physical and human then it was oh no we're moving all to technology and it's going to be robos and all just banking and everyone's just going to do everything digitally to like how do we actually mix humanity and technology together and whether we're talking about new cities like Tolosa, whether we're talking about new fintechs and banking or, you know, CAFE, the new accelerator program or all, really everything else. I think it's it's coming more to the, the, the intersection of humanity and tech. And then how do you have that personalization and focus on, on the humanity and people's lives first, what matters to people's lives first, and then build the technology to support that. So, um, so yeah, so really excited about this year and the future for all of us, for all of our daughters and, you know, to keep making progress. I like that. So there's no better way to end a conversation with, than with a positive note. God knows we all need that. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, Kristen, and look forward to hear more about Cafe and all the other exciting projects that you have in the works. Thank you and so much for having me. This was awesome. Thank, thank, thank you. you. We'll need to keep the conversation alive. And for the rest of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of One Vision. We will talk to you next week. Bye.